0: So guys, I have to I have to be the bearer of Brad News and let everyone know that Julian got arrested a couple of days ago. Um, so we're going to have to do this podcast and talk about Julian with Julian from
1: the Off the Top podcast. How you doing, Julian? It's going good. Um, you know, I'm just very happy that I'm I, Julian, and not arrested, and I didn't spend seven years in an embassy. Um, avoiding being arrested. Yeah, and
0: for those of you who are keen of thought and keen of what's going on currently with events, then you would know that Julian Assange, which is the co-founder of WikiLeaks, just got taken into custody in London a couple days ago from the Ecuadorian embassy that he was staying in, like Julian said,
1: for like seven years. It's truly phenomenal that he... So to understand, you know, every country... For the most part, has an embassy. I think the U.S. has the most embassies across the world. But um, Assange was in the Ecuadorian embassy for seven years. Um, for at that time, you know, he'd kind of got he was really under fire from what happened with WikiLeaks and the documents that were being released. Then he was also in there for a rape allegation, and Ecuador, you know, took him in and protected him from. Um, the British Guard and the US from the ability to arrest him and extradite him or charge him for um, the crimes that he had
0: committed. Exactly. So, basically, if we can kind of like chunk it up right now and give you the brief rundown. So, right now, what we're looking at is the dude was hiding in London in the Ecuadorian embassy so nobody could go in and get him. Ecuador kind of got sick of his like antics and kind of having a shitty roommate, it seems like. And so they let the British government or the you know bl- British police department go in and take him out so that he can be either. Um, first off, he has basically bail jumping um, charges against him due to that rape allegation in Sweden. And now they're thinking that he might be extradited to the U.S. because of this British-UK-U.S. agreement as far as expedition goes. And then face charges as far as like espionage and things of that nature. And I feel like once you kind of like look into this, it kind of gets more tumultuous and the parts seem to be, um, it seems to be more complicated than you really think just from looking at it at an eye level view.
1: And the Ecuadorian president Moreno um, from while I was doing research, a lot of people thought or were thinking um, that are pro Assange. There's a good grip of people who are pro Assange, essentially because if, if you aren't familiar with WikiLeaks, what it is it started, I believe, around 2006, and it has no physical location. It has you know a few um, employees in you know an office somewhere, then thousands of expert helpers to get these documents, and they they find things, they find the truth, essentially. So. They'll find documents that, you know, certain governments tried to hide or certain actions. Um, They found like Sarah Palin's emails in the 2008 election. Um, And they had various things that they could use to, you know, just tell the truth and set that free. And so there's a lot of people who are pro Assange for what he did and, you know, um, unraveling what some governments may be hiding, which, you know, to a certain point of me is like, okay, that's actually kind of cool because I in my opinion, right, if you're going to try to hide or declassify documents because it's going to make you look bad or you know what you were doing was unethical, um, you know, that's going to come back. It's going to be like karma. It's going to come back to bite you. And so Assange, you know, when he was taken out of, of this place, it looked like he was, they supermanned him. They like grabbed him by his legs and his chest. And there's like 12 guys just like holding him out from the embassy to To start this process of, you know, either extraditing him, charging or charging him in Britain um, and figuring out, you know, what the best strategy was now that they have him in custody. Yeah, I think
0: something that you mentioned there was super interesting, too, uh, in the fact that it was really forcible. So it wasn't like he was not going to go out on his own and say, like, all right, guys, like, let's let's try to right these wrongs or like you figure this all out together. He was very obdurate of staying in there. Um, so that's why he was forcibly believe removed. And another thing that I found really interesting is that the days before about six to 10 days before WikiLeaks was actually tweeting, uh, saying that, you know, Julian will be like taking out. So this was something that they saw coming. Absolutely. And so now we're in this weird spot because if, you kind of know WikiLeaks and you follow the story really well, then you also know that there is this really goofy and weird backup clause or backup mechanism that happens that they have in place. And so what goes on is that this backup policy that WikiLeaks has is that if Julian Assange is imprisoned, documents that they have not released – that they but they have still, will be sent out to a 100,000 people, which you then would imagine would be leaked promptly. And the reason that they have those 100,000 people to send them out to is just to make sure that those documents are protected and don't just vanish off the face of the earth. But I think that that's almost like, you know, uh, he paints it as a backup, but it almost seems like a doomsday clause in the fact that, you know, the poison pill, if I, if I go down, then there's going to be more than just me paying the price. You know what I'm saying?
1: I agree. It's like a giant destruction plan um, where, you know, he says, if I'm going down a hundred thousand of these documents are going out and the thing about it. It's not like they know what these documents are. You know, if it's just emails, if it's war documents, if it's footage of, you know, bribery, if it's um, bribery checks being sent. So there's, Literally thousands of things it could be, and it'll be interesting to see how they handle that as they go through this process of um, charging him. And further, I kind of skipped on it earlier, but a lot of people think the Ecuadorian new President Moreno is, you know, somewhat being bribed on his own. Um, they thought it was a little odd, you know, how quickly it happened for him to to be like, you know, what Assange, you're a, you're a terrible roommate. You're a little hostile, you're a little awkward. Um, you know, it's time for you to get out of here. Um, so, a lot of people thought there's something else at play here because for a while, while he was in the embassy, Assange was doing interviews by going out onto the balcony of this building, still on the property, and just kind of standing there and putting his face in front of people saying, no, 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 you'll never get this. And another thing that I'm really, really
0: curious about is how they're actually going to go about with the charging of espionage and that process. Because if you remember correctly, in about 2010, WikiLeaks published a large amount of information on the U.S. government and their actions in Afghanistan, with the aid of Chelsea Manning, formerly known as Bradley Manning. But at the same time, if they were going to just nail the scapegoat or nail the person, the people that leaked it, as far as WikiLeaks goes, another thing that you'd want to mention, too, is that that same sort of dangerous precedent of going after the people that um, did it themselves You'd have to then inculp, um, you know, inculpate what the New York Times because they also did publish some of that information as well. So it's not just WikiLeaks on their own. Uh, other people are doing it. So I'm really interested to see what it will be like as far as you know how honest are they going to keep everybody. to To be fair, looking at this right now, I think it'll be somebody will be made an example of, um, which that somebody will probably be Julian Assange. And then we'll just go about it as, well, this is a lesson that you don't want to be the person that gets caught doing this. Or like, you know, you don't want to be the either get caught red handed or be the biggest red hand when everything goes down.
1: That's something I didn't think about. And at the end of the day, to me, the information that WikiLeaks unveils is what it is. It's information. Um, and if there's evidence behind it, there's evidence behind it. You can't refute it. Yeah, you might be ashamed. Uh, you know, an example, uh, a very layman's example is, right, if you're cheating on your significant other and someone has hard proof of it, you can't be mad at the friend of the friend who has the footage and say, hey, this is what's happening, and, you know, um, man or womaned up to tell you. And I think a lot of that time, the stuff they're covering, it was like, here it is, Here's the here's the evidence behind it. Do with what you want, but we're just uncovering the truth. And that's where, you know, the New York Times picks it up and says, hey, this is information. You know, you guys messed up. It's not our fault. But, you know, now that it's public, you'd rather have it come from a credible source with credible opinions than come from a million Internet blogs and Reddit um, and completely thrash you. Um, So it's very interesting to see what will happen, um, you know, if they do kind of make um, Assange the scapegoat. Or if they pursue other targets or strike a plea deal and try to use them as um, a weapon, so to speak, against other countries, not saying, you know, that's going to be very easy to do with someone who can hack any computer and into any documents and find what they need and say they aren't going to um, play both sides of the ball. But it, it will be very, a very interesting case, depending on, you know, how long it takes to to stack up these charges and this evidence against them.
0: Another interesting thing that I think we should talk about, or at least you know think about in our own heads, is that uh, there's a very uh, polar relationship that WikiLeaks has with the rest of the reporting, like outlets and reporting media, and the fact that. The main gripe that they have, the main gripe that, you know, Washington Post or New York Times and other productions like that would have against WikiLeaks is that they've been known in the past to not hide identities, which is a very big, big no-no when it comes to journalism in itself, because the protection of identities, the protection of the identity of the sources of that information is paramount to... Making sure that the information gets out, because if you can think about it, if, you know, WikiLeaks just cuts and shoots the raw and unedited truth and just puts it in your face. And, you know, Julian, the off the top podcast, Julian uh, happens to be named in one of those things. That's his name out there. And so that was another issue that they had as far as the Afghanistan, like, you know, Afghanistan activity. There was like about three hundred names is what I found and there that now the people that obviously the information was leaked about can look and say, Okay, so we're looking for, you know, off the top podcast, Julian and like we you know we have something for him. So I can understand like in that way being a very big faux pas and almost in the sense of being the utmost truthful and utmost voracious, uh, kind of separates you and paints you as a black sheep, even though like you were a black sheep already for, you know, the amount of stuff and just being WikiLeaks in itself. And then when you did that on top of it, it just created more distance between you and the other media outlets that were trying to deliver the truth in some sort of fashion or degree. It is truly a brutal process,
1: um, in that nature. Because, yeah, the people who may be named may have done something wrong, may have been harmful in some way, or they may have been good citizens who gave this information. But you have to think generationally that if your father or your mother, grandma, grandparent, whoever it may be, was named in, you know, the, the killing of two journalists in Afghanistan, um, then you would be related to that. You know, someone down the road would connect the name like, oh, um, you know, Woody Smith is your dad. Oh, I know what he did. Like, you can't hang out with my son. Or, you know, we don't employ, you know, we would, we're we going to look for other candidates. You know, not may, may not say it directly to your face, but there's long-term repercussions of, you know, using exact names to people who may eventually be in witness protection program or who may have done it because, you know, they needed to get paid. There's a lot of things at at play there and, you know, not saying WikiLeaks is in the wrong, but there's definitely a better way to get that information across um, and provide evidence when it's necessary. There is that
0: dichotomy, absolutely, where you have to, you know, tell the truth. And if you edit it at all, then you kind of skew what the actual image or what the actual facts are. And then there's also the fact of you're dealing with people's lives and there's also ramifications for people coming out and telling the truth. I think that's one thing that's big. And currently with current leaks that are going on, not specifically with ones that do with WikiLeaks, but media outlets and leaks is that they are very strong and very good at protecting their sources. All even though when they do that, you get a little less of the truth than what's really out there you get some sort of gradient and i don't think that that's absolutely wrong in some cases where you know you have an informant that's basically providing you information that you can provide to the public because it's important for the public to know certain things and then you know protect them so that they can further their work or just in the fact of you know they did this once and they're not going to do it again, but now they have to live, like you said, Julene for the rest of their lives or their family's lives, knowing that this is, or people
1: knowing that they did that, you know? Mm -hmm. And the other thing too, with what WikiLeaks has done and, you know, their acquisition of documents or so to speak, hacking of servers and computers to get these files is they, they changed the internet for a while. Um, in the way you know there's security protocols two factor authentication um a lots lots of various things that wikileaks showed weakness in and how easy it was to get these documents you know we're talking 2006 2010 2012 um, you know current events within the past decade or a little bit longer that where we're at today because of wikileaks ability to get this information um via the internet and via their sources has made a lot of companies look, you know, internally at how they're doing things. And, you know, that may be good on our end as there's so much data we put out there that um, we'd probably like, you know, private or protected, then it also, once again, kind of creates that dichotomy of there's also companies who now could still be doing malicious things, but have the ability or the know-how of keeping it a little bit more private and a little bit more secure after seeing wikileaks go through different companies and governments to pull these harmful documents and share with the public
0: i think security is extremely important especially with the internet and i think it's taking sometimes too lightly and put on the back burner, just because in the essence, it is a thing of like, you know, when you need it, it's too late. So if you don't need it now, then let's not worry about it and wait until, you know, there's a better opportunity to arise before we start investing heavily into this, you know, capital, so to speak. At the same time, though, I don't think WikiLeaks would ever be, you know, inter- the internet will never be stopped. in the fact of, you know, there will always be people leaking things, there will always be Uh, People, you know, you couldn't silence somebody on the Internet just because, you know, you wanted to if they wanted to, just like WikiLeaks have 2000 servers all over the world. And, you know, just, you know, if you close one route off to get the information to somebody, then they'll just, you know, go around you in that sense as well. So I think it's going to be something that we're innately going to have to deal with in the future. And so this is going to be a very, very interesting time, I believe, to see you know, how the world treats this specific case. And I think it's going to kind of like change the game proceedingly to see how, you know, the game's actually played. Like how, how hard are we going to be on these people
1: and how hard are they going to get on us if the stakes are raised, you know? Exactly, right. You can, you can t- shut down one email for a Netflix trial um, and you can shut down one IP for a Netflix trial but at the end of the day, there's hundreds of thousands of ways to get that get back to Netflix. Um, you're not going to shut down the internet. But you know, with that being in regards to you know layman's term of what WikiLeaks is doing, there's you know there's not a lot so to speak that you can do to to stop them. As Jordan said, you know the internet's growing. Um, information is is out there. Older information is being brought to the public there's thousands of moving parts in this case um, and to see what, you know, they do to Is it maybe just, you know, make an example of Assange, like Jordan was saying. So hopefully it's deterring people from doing it or will will have the, the reverse impact where someone says, you know, if someone's going to harm, you know, if someone's harming someone for the truth that bad, there must be worse things out there and I'm going to find it. So it'll be, I'm very curious to see the results of this case in this trial and what the side effects and the outcomes in the long term are of this trial. Yeah. And if you guys are
0: super interested and you think you have other ideas or things that we didn't think about, uh, definitely go ahead and reach out to us and let us know those things because we really do enjoy your input And, you know, your thoughts and some of them are very thought provoking and make me say like, huh, man, I wonder why I didn't think about that earlier while I was doing the podcast. Uh, Once again, like, you know, super grateful, super appreciative of, you know, all the growth, continued growth and all the love that we've been getting. And uh, thanks for listening, guys.